Welcome everyone to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and today I'm super excited because I have a guest that you guys may be following at Mrs. D's Corner. Her name is Stephanie, and um, we're going to get right into some hot topics. So Stephanie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we're going to talk all things adaptive books. So I have to um, first find out, how did you end up at an IEP table? I am one of those people that has always wanted to be a teacher. And for some reason, this memory is ingrained in my mind. I was at Walmart with my mom, and she was saw one of her friends, and they were talking about one of this lady's children who had an IEP and got extra services. And I, that was my light bulb moment. I was like, that's what I'm doing. So I went to school for special ed and here I am. I love that. I love that you're in this community because of the community. You know, a lot of us start out because, you know, I have a special needs sibling or, um, you know, you're a special needs mom or there's something that's really super close that it wasn't necessarily a choice yeah. um, that we were kind of pushed into this community and I love that you were like, yes, I want all in on that. So you and I have a similar background as we both used to be teachers in a classroom. We're still teachers in yeah. a different way, but we used to be teachers in a classroom. Will you share with us a bit about your teaching experience? Oh my gosh. So I um, graduated, I'm from Pennsylvania, but I've taught in Pennsylvania and I've taught in Virginia, I've taught in Delaware, Texas. I was licensed in Georgia and I'm on the road to being licensed in Florida because um, that's where we currently are. And I've taught resource, co-taught, middle school, um, self-contained, inclusion, push in, push out. Like I feel like I've really touched on a little bit of everything across all of the states. So so when we talk about adaptive books today, the reason I'm a bit obsessed with them is because when I became a special education teacher, I had no idea that I would be walking into an empty classroom. Yeah. I mean, parents don't realize that most teachers seriously walk into a room. And when I say four walls, I mean, like, seriously, we're lucky if we have chairs sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then teachers... We're all excited. We're in the you know education department in college, right? And we're we have to take some classes with our fellow general education teachers and yeah. everybody's talking all the things, curriculum and and what it's gonna be like and which district they want to teach in. And then they show up and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Quite what it is. Did you have a similar experience? Yeah. So when I taught self-contained, I didn't have any idea about like adapted books before I taught self-contained. So I taught for four years in special ed before finding out what they are. And it was a self-contained classroom. I walked in and there was no curriculum. They were like, here's your kids, here's your room. See you later, you know, here's your island. Um, and I learned about adapted books and it just changed the game for me and for my students. Okay, so we're using this term adaptive books. And by this yeah. point, people are like, what is that? So I'm just gonna let you just sure. jump in and give us an outline of what it is. So there's different kinds of adapted books, and I call them different things. So adapted books are basically any book that you adapt to have movable interactive pieces within the book. So you can take kids' books that they already love, so for example, like Pete the Cat or Curious George, and you, um, I, I call them adapted piece book sets, but you take questions, like the wall questions, who, what, when, where, why, to practice those comprehension skills throughout the story. You don't wait till the end. You're practice that, practicing them on every page 
with the pictures and the text. And then you also have the adapted books, which is what you know we're gonna talk about today. And those are the ones that you can print. I mean, you can use them digitally too, but they're the ones that you print and you just move pieces on every single page to keep kids engaged, but also to bring these grade level content topics to your child's learning level. And it is like, it is a game changer for sure. So for, especially for our parents who are mm -hmm. listening and they're like, wait, this sounds like a lot of moving pieces. It is literally a lot of moving pieces. It can be, yes. Yeah. So, and, and don't worry, we're going to have links, everyone, for so you guys can access all of the adaptive books and all the resources and all the things that Stephanie has for you. So just stay with us as we <laughs> kind of walk through this piece, because um, it would have been... Um, a complete game changer in my classroom if I would have had this. And what I love that you said is you said, you know, grade level text or age appropriate text. That's really important. That's again, something that you and I kind of share the same values on yeah. that is that, you know, I want a student being engaged with something that their peers would be engaged, but we need to adapt that. We need to modify right. that. So, so let's walk through this um, just from a from a teacher's standpoint of what ha what happens. So there, um, I don't know. They, let's do a tough age. Let's do like that sure. whole fourth grade kind of level, Ooh. right? Yes. Ooh, I know, right? And all of a sudden, like, oh, fourth grade. You're like, oh, it's not like so cutesy anymore. No, yeah. And but we're not quite there yet. So um, let's go like with a fourth grade boy who okay. is trying to um, connect with his peers and he's got to work on some reading skills. Like what, what do we do? So teachers, like I need something this, this child can, can read. So what yeah. do we do? So the great thing ad about adapted books is they come in different levels. So you use what the level that your child needs. So the level one is more of like a vocabulary and for more like a pre-reader, you want them to learn like the basics. So fourth grade, I mean, what are fourth graders learning? They're probably like, so let's just say science. They're learning about magnets. Okay, that's a good, perfect, something along, okay. So magnets, and they're learning all of these key vocabulary terms in the inclusion classroom, and they're expected to learn them and master these skills, but they are not on a fourth grade reading level, or they're not even close. Maybe they're on like a kindergarten reading level. So you use these adapted books that you can use the level one and start there, or you can use the level two. So level one is the vocabulary, where they're gonna learn all the key terms and it's gonna have a picture associated with that key term, kind of like a core vocab. So they're learning what the picture is with the word so they can picture it in their mind and generalize the skill into what they're learning in their inclusion classroom, in the regular ed classroom. And then the level two is more of like short sentences. Here is what you need to know without all of the fluff. And then you can you, you can either, um, again, so you can use it in a print version or a digital version, and they move the pieces to interact with the story throughout. So they're learning the meat and potatoes, really, without all of the side plates. And that's so important because that's a big piece um, that tends to cause issues when we're trying to do inclusion in multiple different environments, including where we're at right now in school, where we're hybrid or we're virtual yeah. or we're... <laughs> A combination of who knows what right now we're in all different environments so connecting the pieces can be tough and to hear you say like science and magnets and fourth grade, and that's tough and you're not there necessarily with all the tools and you're trying to comprehend this text that is abstract yeah that is huge and quite honestly I didn't even think about it that way I've seen some of your materials and that and I'm thinking more of I was like oh my goodness I would have loved to use this with my paraprofessionals where I could have taught a topic in my self-contained room and then 
you know, my paraprofessionals would know how to use adaptive books so they could be reinforcing on multiple topics. Mm -hmm. And you can use them that way. You really, so there's not like one set way to use adaptive books. Like you really make them fit your kids in your classroom. There's no wrong way to use them really, which is great because I mean, you could use have 10 different kids in your classroom and use them 10 different ways and still meet all the needs of all your learners with one book. Like it's insane. That is okay. So how come they don't teach us this in school? They don't teach us a lot of things in school. <laughs> Shh, don't tell us <laughs> that. <laughs> so that like why why is this not part of our teacher curriculum? I mean, I I have a master's degree. I have five different teaching certificates in multiple states. I mean, all, all these different things. And I, I've I never, I never I was taught how to like go get Romeo and Juliet for my high schoolers and highlight the main points and put them on a worksheet. Like that wasn't going to work. I think that's what I learned. Like, here's your accommodations you can use. And I'm like, that's not going to work for a nonverbal student in kindergarten. No, no, no it didn't. <laughs> so for everybody who's like, I, I don't know, this is too much, or I've never heard of this, or, um, you know, is this, is this something new? It's not necessarily something new. It's just something that is not taught to your up and coming teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and unless somebody's using it in your building and you're seeing your colleague use it, yeah. or as a parent, if you see it like in one of the therapy centers or something you might be doing outside of school, you're probably not going to know about this. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a, the physical version where we're actually like moving pieces. So we're, yeah. we're working on magnets and we're- I have this one, it's not magnets, but- oh. Okay, yeah, cool. and so you can't see it on the podcast, but this is what a printable one looks like. I mean, you can print the mini and like glue the pieces in, but you just, you go through the story. So this is a level two and they just find the correct piece. So it would be this one here and move it to the box. So everybody who's listening on the podcast, um, we have visuals that are happening because we're special ed teachers. And that's <laughs> we have visuals. Um, so the visual will be on, it'll be on YouTube. Um, it'll be up on Facebook. It'll be on uh, IGTV. It'll be everywhere. So the visuals will be around um, with that because there there's many books mm -hmm. and there's the um, actual physical, tangible book. Mm -hmm. And then I see that you also have a digital version. Yeah. So explain um, what are some of the skills that a child may need to access the digital book? Meaning like, are we dragging a cursor? Are we clicking? What are we doing? Nope. So digital books, um, they're basically just clicking the screen to match the picture. So there's different plugins that you can use for like Chrome. So they work in Google Slides. However, you can export them to make them a clickable PDF. So you can use them on any device. You don't have to have like a specific device. Um, and they, you put them in presentation mode, so they're not moving any pieces. You don't have to worry about pieces getting resized or anything. And they go through the story. So either they're looking at the pictures and looking at the word, reading the word to you, you're reading it to them, however you're using it. And they click the picture that matches. So if they click the incorrect picture, it says try again. And if they click the correct picture, it says correct and allows them to move forward through the story. So they can't move forward through the story by just clicking everything and getting done. They actually have to select the correct answer. Okay, so I love that. So no specific device needed, um, no kind of high tech skills needed for the parent who's helping at home or the child with um, you know having to point, click, drag, because some of the Google slide things are getting pretty complicated. Yeah, they can be. So, so I love that piece. Now, um, 
what are the age ranges where we can use this all the way through transition we can use this through um yeah so the ones that i create are mostly for k-3 um some of them do use real pictures it really that's such a oh, that's a loaded question Catherine. you can't ask that because and every time somebody is like well, what grades can i use this with i'm like well it really depends on your kids like where are your kids so you as the parent or you as the teacher know your students best so download one or try a free one and see how your student interacts with it. And then if they love that one and you think they're doing great with it, grab some more. I and mean, that's, that's the website for the few free ones. Yes, there are free ones. There's and that's that adaptive free. books, right? Adaptive books. Yes. Okay. So again, we'll put the links in that there. So there are some free ones that you guys mm -hmm. can test out. And I know that's a loaded question of like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what age is this for? But I'm thinking about, um, you know, I, I have a lot of master IEP coaches mm -hmm. who have um, kids who are going towards transition age right now. Yeah. And they may not be working on something like magnets or a standard science curriculum mm -hmm. or even a standard reading curriculum. They may be working on things that are one of two things, either um, high interest, you know, like leisure reading, yeah. still working on comprehension or working on transition planning. And so if you don't, uh, if you're not already working on that, Stephanie, I guess I'm giving you a to-do list. Um, <laughs> we're going to want these just so you know, for our yeah. older kiddos that are getting ready. Sure. I mean, reach out to me and let me know like what specifically you need. You can't just be like, I need transition stuff. And I'll be like, okay, well, like what specifically do you need? And I'm always like, I'm always, I think I have a list right now of like 300 adapted books that I have to write. So like, if you need something, let me know. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So this is your gig. I mean, like, so people are going to be like, what, what do you mean you have a list of 300 books and you make them like, they just listen to this whole podcast. We're like, go get yeah. some free ones. And, and, um, so now let's share a little bit more. Now that we've given them all of yeah. these exciting ideas of things that they can do with adaptive books, share a little bit about, um, what you've built, what you've created for our community and yeah. how this is your thing. And you can add in some of the other stuff that you do too. Um, just let sure. everybody know what, <laughs> what you have for them as a resource. Yeah, so I have been selling my teacher resources online since 2011, um, because in Pennsylvania, it's hard to find a job. So that was kind of like my segue until I found a job. Um, but I've been doing it since then. And then just recently, I launched um, the Intentional IEP, which helps teachers write better IEPs, which we could all be better at. And then I just recently launched Adapted Book Club, which is access to currently there are 600 plus adapted books inside of Adapted Book Club and you get access to all of them. And then I write new books every month and those get put into the club and you get the printable version, the comprehension test, you get the digital version. So literally you go in and search for the topic you need and download it and use it with your kids. Like it's, it's there for you to digest whenever and whatever topics you need. I love it. It's a big shortcut. So for yeah. everybody who's <laughs> listening, like this sounds like a great idea, but who has time to break down all the books and make all the you know comprehension questions and make all the pieces that go front? Let Stephanie do that for you guys. Just reach oh, out to Stephanie um, yeah. and and talk to her if you don't see what you need or if you're not sure if Adaptive Book Club is right for you. Just reach out to her and she'll let you yeah. know um, with that. So um, I want you to talk about one other thing that you and I didn't talk about talking okay. about. <laughs> I 
want you to talk about your stamps. Um, oh, I think that that's a huge. I have them right here. <laughs> Again, here comes the visuals for everybody who's on the podcast. <laughs> You'll just have to know that Stephanie just picked up like a UPS box and was like, here, look at these stamps. Um, so tell us about these stamps because I know that when I first saw the stamps, I thought, oh my goodness, I think as a teacher, I would have made sure that all the parents would have even had them at yeah. home because it would make Especially it this year. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. So now everybody's like, what, what's with the stamps? Um, so explain what are the stamps? What do they do? Okay. So the stamps derived from me creating stickers. They're called, I call them progress monitoring communication stickers. I created them on a taught self-contained because I found myself Either I was writing how a student completed a task or if they completed an inclusion at the end of like every lesson, I was like writing inclusion or one-on-one -on -one or with para, with teacher, or small group or hand over hand or the type of level of prompting. And I was wasting so much of my own time while the kids were just kind of sitting there like doing whatever, waiting until I was ready for them. So I created these stickers so that I could literally just take a sticker, put it on the paper and either keep it as work samples for writing the next IEP or sending it home to parents. So like when they say you sent home like a printable adapted book to them and on the back is a sticker that says completed one-on-one -on -one with para um, with moderate prompting or however they're prompting. The teacher, like usually when you just send it home and you send them this, you're like, oh, my kid completed this. And they're probably, not, maybe not probably, but they might be like, oh, they completed this by themselves. Like that's awesome. So next time when you come to the IEP meeting, you and the parent might not be on the same page because they think that they did it all by themselves. So with the stickers and now with the stamps, you just stamp it on the back or on the front or wherever you want to put it. And it lets the, the teacher and the parent know like, this is how your kid completed this activity. So when you come to the IEP table, everybody's on the same page. The parent knows what the child is doing in class because you're sending home these work samples with the, um, the progress monitoring communication on the back. And it just, there's so much rapport and like bridge building using them. Like it literally, it was another game changer. Like it was just something that I needed myself in my self-contained classroom and it solved that problem. Okay. So for everybody who just was like, whoa, what just happened? Okay. Like <laughs> we have special education teachers that were just like, yes. Like they listen to their, like, I need to know more about this. Yeah. Uh, we also have a lot of parents who listen and they're like, what are you talking about that I'm supposed to know if my child is getting hand over hand help? So I just want to yeah. step back and parents sure. and, and our special education teachers who are not necessarily using this form of communication. This is really important. Every child who has an IEP obviously has goals. And when to reach those goals, they're gonna need certain supports. And sometimes those supports are written into the goal, such as we'll do this with a certain level of prompting or a certain type of prompting, verbal prompting, physical prompting. Sometimes those prompts um, or supports are put into accommodations and modification section. But what Stephanie just described is that huge breakdown between my child can do this at home, but they don't do it at school or they do this at school and they don't do this at home. Mm -hmm. And normally we are um, struggling to figure out like, why is the child not generalizing this information when really, if we look at supports, accommodations, modifications, that that could be it. That's the answer right there. I, I had, I was physically touching their hand and tapping them to be like, okay, start the paper. Mm -hmm. Mom set them down at the, at the table with a paper and a pencil and was like, do it. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, why are they doing it at school and not at home? It's a little right. prompting differently. So these stamps, what are like layout? Like there's like three, four, five choices. What is there? 
Yeah, so with the stickers, I think, oh my gosh, I think I have over 70 stickers that are 70 different things that you would prompt or let parents know about. And then the stamps came from, I asked my community, so special education teachers, which ones are you using the most? What would you like to see in a stamp format? Um, so this is actually the second collection. The first collection, it had a prompting stamp. There was a grade taken as stamp. So was it taken as like a letter grade? Was it taken on participation? Um, there was uh, like a behavior, there's a behavior sticker to let the parent know like how the behavior was during the lesson. There are, oh my gosh, there's so many that I forget what all of them are. But the prompting one is like by far my favorite, the level of prompting used during the lesson. So, and I love that you combine the two because that's the thing with the adaptive books and then the, you know, stamps or stickers and mm -hmm. knowing how it was completed. That gives a full picture of this is the work and this is the how mm -hmm. it was done. So there doesn't have to be a mystery between home and school. Uh, so let's touch on that just for a minute, this whole home to school and t IEP teams working together. Um, yeah. For everybody who's seeing us visually here, you'll see Stephanie has on her master IEP coach sweatshirt. I'm super excited to have her join us in our master IEP coach community. If you're not sure what we're talking about, that's at masteriepcoach.com. That's where parents, teachers, admins, and therapists come together to learn how to work together and build better IEPs in the real world. So um, Stephanie joined our program um, over the summer. Yes. And is and you're all in. And I just want to say that I, I love seeing you build that through the intentional IEP, which is very teacher focused and mm -hmm. in, in writing better IEPs. And um, we need that home to school piece working better, right? Yeah. Um, can you share and again, this is more so just teachers know that they're not alone and kind of give some insight to parents. Um, I think it's important. It's almost like we unveil the curtain of like, this is a real <laughs> behind the scenes. And I know, again, this is going to be one of those loaded questions, mm -hmm. okay, um, in there. So you you have the intentional IEP, which is for mm -hmm. teachers to basically cut down their time in writing IEPs and be able to, to do this process better and um, simplify it uh, for them because again, you and I, we're both obsessed with writing yeah. IEPs and, um, in that way. What is the biggest time suck for teachers oh, right now when it comes to um, IEPs? What are, they, what are they struggling with the most? What are you hearing? Um, the biggest time suck when it comes to actually writing the IEPs, well, one is not having time during the school day to be able to do it. So teachers are writing them on weekends, um, after school hours, after their kids go to sleep at night, like at home, they're writing. And not even during virtual learning in the COVID era of teaching. Like this is like, I don't want to say normal because what's, what is normal now? I anyway? know. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the biggest thing is there, there's so many duties throughout the day that teachers aren't even given enough time to complete the IEPs during the school day. So they're doing them on their own time. But well, also, let's, talk, let's talk about that. So bad yeah. time, man, like it, people think that it's bad time management. So I want every it's teacher not. who's hearing this right now, no. that's not bad time. Like you can't time manage extra no. time into your day that other people have scheduled for you. Mm -hmm. When you have time, you know, like I control my schedule, Stephanie, for the most part, you control, right? Like we're controlling our own schedules. Mm -hmm. so we can, we can manage our time differently. Right. When you're a teacher, you don't have control over your schedule. No. In that way. So first of all, give yourself some grace on that. Um, sometimes parents feel that like, well, why doesn't the teacher just do it during their planning time? Or doesn't the school give them time to do it? That just they doesn't take it happen. away. 
<laughs> IP meetings or other meetings or we have to make copies or go call parents or call therapists like our planning is and a lot of special ed teachers don't get a planning and that is like blowing my mind absolutely like, what what I didn't have a planning period oh my god <laughs> for all the years that I taught I never I never had a planning period I didn't even know like that like I no, like my so my paraprofessionals um, basically trained me right as a teacher. Yeah. That's what happens a lot too. Paraprofessionals have more experience than the brand new teachers that are coming in most yeah. of the time, and they were like, "Honey, you need to schedule yourself a lunch because nobody's going to give one." I got in trouble for that too. <laughs> and the supervisor came in and was like, "You need to take a lunch," and I was like, "But how?" Like. So literally had to sit me down so that I would take a lunch every day. Yeah. So mine like kicked me out of my room. So my either that or like if I wouldn't leave the room, they literally would like steal my kids and be like, we're going to go to the playground. We'll <laughs> go work awesome. on our OT and PT goals right now. And uh -huh. they would like leave out of the room. So gosh, I have such a heart for paraprofessionals oh that got God. it and all the things. So, um, all right. So I interrupted your train of thought there on the whole. So we have um, the, I know. So we have the, the time management. It's the biggest time suck is what we were looking at. So we had, that's what teachers are struggling with is finding the time to actually do it. Did you have something else? Yeah. So when it comes to like actually writing the IEPs outside of having time from it, a lot of teachers are struggling with, um, well, so districts, they don't teach you how to do it and school doesn't teach you how to do it. So um, there's no like, we almost need, and I am, I'm actually working on it there's like a vertical spiral of like skills. So like, say you're working on addition and you need to write. Um, so say you're working, your, your student needs to be working on addition, but we're still working on letter, like number ID. What are the skills needed to build on from number ID to get you up to addition? Because you can't just go from number ID to addition. Like there's other skills that happen in between and knowing like what comes in between. So this just blew everyone's mind. I'm telling you, you, you guys all tuned in to be like, what are adaptive habits? And now you're you're going to get a whole like IEP goal writing session because we can't help it. Um, so yeah, it, why don't they teach us that in school of like, okay, to get to addition, you don't just skip. Yeah. I'm like, I know what the numbers one, two, three, four look like. And then I do one-to-one -one correspondence. And then all of a sudden I know how to add. Yep. That's not how, no, that's how it works. And that's what they think, but that's not how it works. <laughs> so again, for every parent and teacher who are struggling, who have been thrown into this new world of teaching, um, and, and we don't know what this looks like as we, you know, kind of, I'm going to say like reintegrate back into whatever new schedules are going to be. Cause eventually we are all going to end up back into the classroom, but this is where I say it shouldn't go back to the way that it was. We I found know. a lot of gaps and what you're talking about is a huge gap. Like all of a sudden I think parents and teachers just went, wait, wait a minute, we can count at school, but when we try to add, it doesn't work. What are we missing? It shouldn't be this hard. We but just see everybody's mind. <laughs> We're gonna get flooded with DMs like, but what comes in between? Like, what am I supposed to, what goes in there? Like, what? Yeah. Okay, so let's give them some resources and wrap this up. And then my goodness, we will plan another, <laughs> another <laughs> podcast together so we can do some more teaching on these things. Yeah. So here's, here's a couple of resources. One is, um, Stephanie, just tell us where to get the books. Tell us again for that. And then tell us your main teacher re uh, resource website. So you can get the adapted books at adaptedbookclub.com. 
And then you can find everything else at mrsdscorner.com. It also links to the intentional IEP from there. So you can find IEP stuff on that website and everything else on the others. Perfect. And then for um, when it comes to resources for how to become a master IEP coach, let's start there. So how to become a master IEP coach and really dive in and get surrounded by like-minded people. I think that's one of the, the biggest benefits of this community. Yes, you're going to learn all things IEPs and how to write them. Um, from a collaborative standpoint and how to negotiate from a collaborative standpoint. And yes, parents and teachers and admins all need to negotiate. Negotiate's not a bad word. You, <laughs> you negotiate together of what's going to be in the best interest of the student. So masteriepcoach.com um, for that. And then um, you can also continue this conversation in the special ed inner circle. So specialedinnercircle.com is where we have a continuation of these podcast conversations. You can get some resources, trainings, um, ongoing monthly support. So again, that's for parents, teachers, um, admins, and therapists can join us in there. So you have resources galore. If you're ready to dig into curriculum and specific goal writing support um, as a teacher, um, and then parents, if you want to grab some resources for at home, head over to Stephanie's um, site. If you're ready to figure out how to become a master IEP coach, you want to hang out with Stephanie and I in this awesome community that we have going um, here, that's at masteripcoach.com and then continue the conversation. Um, at the special ed inner circle so many resources <laughs> get so many dms about all the things bottom line is go get some adaptive books go check out stephanie's resources do not do special education alone that's don't. yeah agree <laughs> just don't just don't that's how we're going to wrap it up don't do special <laughs> education alone there's so many resources out there you do not need to be struggling we'll help you find all of them all right stephanie thank you for being here today thank you